Now I want to continue today preaching through the gospel according to Mark. And the topic for today that I want to talk to you about is actually a question that I want to ask you. I want to ask you the question is, who is Jesus to you? I think it's a very important question in the times that we are living. Who is Jesus to you? This should be the most important question or answer that you have in life. Since birth until the day that you pass away, you should be able to answer this question. Who is Jesus to you? You remember when Paul came in the book of Corinthians? He said to the, to the church in Corinth, he said, I don't want to hear anything except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Let us still keep Jesus Christ as the center of our faith. You know, I hear so much less these days about Jesus. Now I want to start off this sermon by bringing you a few surveys, which I found, and I found it really interesting. Surveys about Christianity. And the first survey that uh, people were asked, you know, do you believe that Jesus Christ was a real person and actually lived on the earth? And as you can see there, that 92% of people believed that Jesus was a real man who lived on the earth and he lived amongst us. Millennials, 87% of them said that Jesus was real. And the Gen Xers, 91% boomers and the elders 95 and 96%. Now if we, if we talk about Gen Z, uh, the, the, the new one, the young people of today, it is interesting that when that survey came out, they weren't up in that survey. They were too young. But it's interesting in another survey that it say that 4% of Gen Z have a biblical worldview. And this is alarming. I find that troubling to my mind. I get that so many Gen Xs and Boomers say, bring the rapture. But my question is then, what about Gen Z? What about this generation? And get me right here. I'm all for the rapture to take place. But I'm also all for these young people who do not know Jesus, who do not know God. 4% has got a biblical worldview. 4% of the young people of today. The rest of them don't want to know about Jesus. That's troubling to me. That is making me think. That my children's children will not follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Think about your children and my children as they've got little babies who are thinking about a future. Think about the suicide number these days who's going up of people who do not see a future. If we ask the question to them, who is Jesus to you? What will they say? What will this generation say? And who's going to tell this generation about it? Atheism in our day is people who assumed that there was no God. Atheism today, 
argue with you and me that there is no God. They become militant in trying to tell you and me that there is no God. Now, in the midst of that, I'm asking you the question, who is Jesus to you? We are, we've created this Disney world-like environment for them in the world and in the church. We prepare them with cotton wool around them. We didn't prepare them properly for the world. The churches are set up uh, entertainment centers to entertain them. And now they don't even believe in God anymore. But hey, the churches are flowing over with young people. But when you survey them, that's the kind of answers that comes out and speaks to them. So that's the world we are living in. That's the message that you and I are supposed to take to this generation. Who does the Bible say Jesus is? Or who does you say Jesus is? But let's look at the Bible as we come now to the Gospel of Mark. We see that Jesus asked the same question to his disciples. In Mark chapter 8 verse 27, Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And on the road he asked his disciples, saying to them, What do men say that I am? What do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist. But some say Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? That's our question. Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, and he said, You are the Christ. Then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about it. <clears throat> that they should tell no one about him. Now, I want to just give you the background of where Jesus said this, because it will make sense where Jesus, I believe the Bible is meticulously put together. So it's not by chance that in, in the Gospel of Mark that he writes this down. The Holy Spirit allows Mark to write down the location of where this happened. The Bible says there in verse 27 that well, they went out of the towns of Caesarea Philippi. Now we need to know a few things about Caesarea Philippi. Why would the Holy Spirit inspire Peter to tell Mark to write down the location where Jesus asked these questions. Well, Caesarea Philippi is the place where the mighty Jordan River started. It is beautiful in nature and it's also named, this place was also named uh, Belinas because this was also a center of pagan worship and it was in Belinas where the Phoenician god Baal was worshipped. Now, I just want to say now that you and I know that there's no other gods. These were all mythology. These gods don't exist but in the minds of man. These gods were dreamt up by Satan and it introduced it to mankind. They are not real gods, but they were worshipped as real gods. Now, 
this Phoenician god Baal was, according to them, the god of fertility and of nature. But the Greeks came and they changed the place here, the name of this place, to Pinias, because they believed that one of their gods was born in one of the caves here at Pinias, and his name was Pan. And again, I want to re-emphasize that the creature that I'm going to tell you about now never existed. There was no creature like this. But for them, they believed that there was a creature like this on the face of the earth. Now, this creature, Pan, was the half-man, half-goat creature. Which I find really interesting because if you look at Hollywood, they introduced into children movies and some of the children movies this creature pan the half man half goat god not only in the movies but in some children books you will find this god there never existed it's not a true god it's a figment of the imagination which comes out of the pit of hell but there he is they believe in him Back in the day, a lot of these people believed in Pinia or in Pan, which was born in Pinias. But not only that, Caesarea Philippi also had a marble, a marble temple which was built. And the people of the city had to come once a year and take an incense and go to the altar of incense and burn an incense to Caesar. And they had to get down on their knees. Now look what's happening around the world now. Bowing the knee for Black Lives Matter. It's not different from back in the day from these people coming in. They had to bow the knee and they had to shout after they burned the incense. Caesar is Lord! Those days are coming to a city near you and to me. Where you will have to denounce Christ. And call the Antichrist Lord. It happened. Nothing is new under the sun. It happened in this particular place. Burn the incense. In this beautiful marble temple. In Caesarea Philippi. And shout out. Caesar is Lord. Now this is the place. That Jesus chose. To ask these two questions. But let's also remember. In the timeline of events, how it happened. Jesus got with them on the boat, started talking about the Pharisees and the leaven of the Pharisees, and watch out for the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. The disciples didn't get that, they didn't understand what he was talking about. So, as they got off the boat, there was the blind man, and Jesus uses this miracle. As a parable to teach his disciples. Remember this was the, the one miracle where Jesus could have healed him straight away. But he did not. He did it in two phases. He spat on his finger, touched his eye. He spat in his eyes and he said, what can you see? And the man said, I see men like trees. He didn't heal him straight away. And then he healed him so that he could see clearly. What he showed his disciples is now you see just a part of it. But you will see it clearly. And right after that, in this environment of pagan worship, he asked them the questions. 
He asked them two questions which has got eternal nature to those questions. There's an internal nature to them. The first question has to do what others say about Jesus. What other people say about Jesus and the opinions of what they answer to these questions will reveal the condition of their hearts. What does others say about Jesus? You listen to the answer and you find the condition of the heart. The answers will also show you whether they are saved or not. That's the first question. Then he asked the second question, which is a little bit more personal in opinion. He says, what do people say who I am? And then he says, but who do you say that I am? The same question I'm asking you. Who do you say that Jesus is? You see, the answer to the second question will determine where you spent eternity. Where do you spend eternity? The first one shows the condition of your heart and the second one where you spend eternity. <clears throat> so let's look at the first question. He says, who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist, Elijah, one of the prophets. Were they right? Of course they were not. Let's think about the answer, John the Baptist. Yes, it's true. That when John the Baptist came on the scene and Jesus, they preached the same message. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The same message. Herod Philip even went, the one who beheaded John the Baptist, remember? He even went one step further when he heard about Jesus. What did he say? He said it was John the Baptist. In public he said this. It's John the Baptist who was risen from the dead. Well, Philip said it. So it must be him. So there's a group of people who believe that Jesus was John the Baptist. But the problem is that they appeared at the same time at a very important event. When was that? When Jesus Christ was baptized. There was John the Baptist baptizing Jesus. And there were eyewitnesses. So it could not have been John the Baptist. Some said it is Elijah. That could have rang a little bit more true than John the Baptist, but it was not. And then others obviously said it we was a prophet, uh, one of the major prophets. But there were also other opinions about Jesus. Jesus always pulls opinion of people. Remember the Pharisees. When the Pharisees see Jesus or saw Jesus, and saw the power with, with, with which he operated, and saw the authority with which he spoke. What did they say? They said, he's Beelzebub. They said he had a demon in him. And they were wrong. That is not true. But not everybody had it wrong. As we read through the Bible, we find a few who had it right. Think of John the Baptist. In John chapter 1 verse 29, when he was standing there in Batabara and the Jordan baptizing people, it says in verse 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him. So when he saw Jesus, what did he say? Who do you say I am? Remember the question. What was John's answer? He said, behold the Lamb of God 
who takes away the sin of the world. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He was right. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He didn't have it wrong. He was right. Think about the angels. When the angels appear to these, uh, these uh, shepherds in Luke chapter 2 verse 10, then the angels said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. They were right. They had it right. Jesus is our Savior. So who is he to you? He's my Savior. He's the Lamb of God who take my sin away. They had it right. But then we have Simeon. Remember this priest who was doing his duties in the temple? In uh, Luke chapter 2 verse 29, when Jesus came and he was presented to Simeon, what, what was said? We've got the account here. He says, Luke 2.29, this is Simeon talking. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Means he can die now in peace. Why? Because he saw the Messiah. According to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. So who is Jesus? The Lamb of God. He's the Savior of the world, Christ. And he is our salvation which you have prepared before the face of the people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Praise God! Don't you get excited about that? What did he say? He said that Jesus is the revelation, the one who brings revelation to the Gentiles. I'm a Gentile. And the glory of your people, Israel, bringing Gentiles and Jews together. Simeon had it right. He was right when he said that. But let's listen to the crowds. Some people do love the crowds. John 12 verse 13. When Jesus came on a donkey riding into Jerusalem, what did they do in this particular passage? They took branches of palm trees, went out to meet him, and they cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Oh, I'm getting excited. And I've got good reason to get excited. Who is Jesus? He's the King of Israel. They reject him, but he's the King of Israel, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. He is Lord. What about the Roman centurion? You remember when Jesus was crucified, hanging on the cross, and he says, Tetelestai, it's finished. He blows out his last breath. What happens then? This Roman soldier, this Gentile, listen to him. In Mark chapter 15, 39, so when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, this is what the, to the centurion said. He said, truly this man was the son of God. The only problem with that statement is, he said it in the past, but he's still the son of God. He's still our God. How wonderful is that? Finally, the demons also had it right. 
not only John the Baptist, not only Simeon, not only the angels, not only the crowds, not only the Roman, the, the Roman centurion, but also the demons. They had it right as well. Mark 5, 7, and he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you? This is the demon in that man at Gadara. He says, Jesus, son of the most high God, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. So they had it right. So who, the first question, who do people say I am? What is people's opinion about Jesus? There we had it. Pharisees had it wrong. These people had it right. Who do you say Jesus is? I'm going to come back to that question. But you see, people in our day has got their opinions as well. Today, 2020. There are a multitude of opinions about Jesus. Today, if you go out in the street and you take a mic and you walk and you ask people about Jesus, you will find one of these answers I'm going to give you at least every day. The Muslims say, if you ask them, that Jesus was a prophet, but he was not crucified on the cross. He will return, but he's not God. He's just a prophet, they would say, similar to Muhammad. He's on equal sinning with Muhammad. That's what they would say about Jesus. The Hindu believes that Jesus is just one of million gods. I, I, I remember when I preached in New Zealand, um, at one stage they were a Hindu in the church and I spoke to him and he said to me, he believes in Jesus, but when he prays, he prays to Jesus and the other gods he's got. This is true. People live like that. The Jew believes that Jesus was a great prophet and a teacher, but he's not God. He's not God. Why do I bring all of these opinions out to you? I showed you the ones who was right. And now I'm showing you the ones in our day, what they believe about Jesus. Even the Jews. He's a good teacher. He was a prophet, but he's not God. The Mormons today believes that Jesus was the first baby born to God in heaven. That's what the Mormons believe. When God in a physical body at six, a sexual intercourse with Mary, his own daughter, that uh, he was born and he's the spiritual brother of Lucifer. How blasphemous is that? Absolutely blasphemous. But today, there's millions who are following Mormonism. Millions who's deceived and on their way to an eternal damnation. This is terrible. And then there's some people who say, just zap us up. I say, Lord, give me one day more to preach the gospel. One day. The Jehovah Witnesses believe that Jesus was once the archangel Michael. Before he came to the earth. You see, this is what they believe he was. Just an angel. In their view, Jesus is not God in flesh. It's just an angel. They are wrong. They are deceived. The atheist denies that Jesus ever existed at all. 
You see, now they denied it, but now they argue that he never existed at all. The agnostic, they just say, well, it doesn't know what to believe about Jesus. I'm an agnostic. It's a cop-out, I would say. But most people acknowledge his existence. But they refuse to bow, bow to his authority and to his godship. So that's our world we are living in today. Who believes about that? But let's ask the question in the Bible to the Father. What does God the Father say about Jesus? Well, we find that his baptism, a clear indication what he said. Matthew 3.17, when Jesus was baptized as he came out of the water, the heavens opened up. The Holy Spirit came down like a dove and it descended upon him. And a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The Son of God. That's not the only equation. Another one at the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus went on with his inner circle disciples, he said to them, Wait, he went on the mountain in Matthew 17, 5, and while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Twice this happened. The eyewitnesses were there. Peter was there when this happened, when this was said. So there is the first question. The first question that's asked out, it was a general question. Who does people say that I am? Some say he's John the Baptist, some say he's Elijah, and some say some of the prophets. My question is today, what does the people say that Jesus is? And I've given you the answers. But let's bring it a little bit closer. You see, now it becomes a personal question. But who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Jesus is asking you right now. He turns to the disciples. I don't want to hear what people say who I am. I've spent my time with you. I've invested my time with you. I've poured myself out to you. I've taught you. What do you say? You make a claim that you follow Jesus for so long. But if that question is asked to you personally, who do you say that I am? And I believe and I pray the Holy Spirit ask you that question. What do you say? It's a simple question, but it's filled with an internal implication. It's filled with that. Because a correct answer, my dear brother and sister, a correct answer to this question is going to take you to heaven or it will leave you into eternal damnation. It is not just a head answer. Oh, but I believe it's Jesus. Oh, but I believe he's God. Because 
You've been sitting in our church for so long. You've heard my sermons. You've heard me preach about the Son of God, the Son of Man. You've heard the names of Jesus, Jehovah Rohi, Jehovah Elohim, uh, or Elohim is his name, but Jehovah Rafi. Um, all these names, you know that it's all headstrong and you can quote them like a parrot one after the other. But the question goes much deeper. It goes to your heart. In the times of trouble today, when I believe that when Jesus, according to the word, when he's coming, will he still find faith? What are you relying on? What are you backing on? What is your foundation? What is sitting there and carrying you through in your faith right now? It's the answer to this question. Who do you say that I am? This is an important question. Now, Peter answers him straight away. He's the extrovert. And I want you to think about what he says, because I believe it's Peter who's giving Mark the account to write down. He says to him, you are the Christ. Christ is another word for Messiah. Messiah is God with us. God with us. Now, I don't want you to miss this. The questions sound the same, but they are different. The first one was an observer. Who do people say that I am? But then the second one, it sounds the same, but it makes it personal. I want you to hear this. My prayer now is to hear every ear that's going to hear, hear what the Spirit of God says to you. Make this personal. He says, you are the Christ, the Messiah. God with us. Is that your answer today? Is he God with you? Or is he just somebody you've heard about? Somebody you read about? Somebody you see in a movie? Who is Jesus to you? I actually want to read to you the account in Matthew. Because Peter leaves, uh, Mark leaves something out here. <coughs> he didn't give the whole statement. In Matthew 16, 16, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ. And that's where Mark stops, which means the Messiah. The Son of the living God. That's the full quote. The Son of the living God. He's not only the Messiah with us, but He's the Son of the living God. And then Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. And I want you to listen now. For flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. This is for me one of the important parts of the sermon today. What I've preached to you for the last half an hour is what flesh and blood revealed to you. What you read, what we preach, what I preach is what flesh and blood revealed to you. I can teach you about Jesus. I can tell you where he was born. I can tell you about his miracles. I can tell you about, you know, the characteristics of him. I can teach all of that. That's flesh and blood teaching it to you. And what you can do, you can actually like, like the Hindus, you can see him like your, 
your hero in the world? Who's your hero? Who's the one person that you look up to? You know, who's this one person in real life? Is it your father? Is it your mother? Is it your teacher from, you know, kindergarten? Is it, who is that one person that you put on a pedestal? And, and, you know, now that I teach you all about Jesus, you take Jesus and you go, you are my new hero now. That's all that flesh and blood teaches you. And this is why when the Holy Spirit writes these things down, it's just not words that's, you know, going over a page. There's meaning behind it. There is ethos behind it. Ethos is, is, is you know, uh, ethos is credibility behind it. There's pathos behind it. That is passion. And, and then there is, there is the word, the logos. I want you to get this today, my friend, my brother and my sister, get this. Because like I said, the answer to the second question is going to determine where your eternity is. And, he's, and the answer is right here in Matthew. He said, blessed are you, uh, 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 Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. So what am I saying? We are living in a time there's so, so many millions of Christian books in the bookshops. But still, I've given you, and this is why I gave you those, those surveys in the beginning, still there is the biggest time that people misinterpret Jesus Christ. Because His flesh and blood is trying to do it. It's not going to help you anything. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. So what is the answer then? It is in Jesus' words. But my Father from heaven, who is in heaven. The Father revealed Christ to him. The Father revealed Christ to him. The Father revealed the Messiah to him. This is why you could say you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now what am I getting at? I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will guide you. This is not just, this is important, but this is not just words and, and teaching from this. You know, this is, this is more. He's got to be your whole life. And if He is your whole life, then you shouldn't fret out by anything that happens around you or toss to and fro from every side of things. You see... Peter looked at Jesus and he saw the Messiah. He didn't see all of these other things. He saw the Messiah. God with us. Are you seeing God with you today? He is there for you. And this is what the word Christ meant to him. Um, the question now then is, why does this matter? You've been raving on and going on and getting excited about it, preacher. Why does this matter? It is the foundation of our faith. It is the essence. Look, <clears throat> no doubt there is going to be coming times. Not now. The battle now is against Christianity. That's all going on. There's people on YouTube who says that COVID is an attack on Christianity. I get that. I can see that. That attack has already been a long time ago. There's people who say that the government is attacking Christianity. That's always been happening. 
But currently we still have a dispensation of grace. There's still freedom. I can still preach through this. They haven't stopped that yet. The time will come when that happens. But for now, for now I'm looking around and there's Christians who's freaking out. Excuse me for that word, but it just came out. But they are freaking out about what's going on. They're attacking us, but they're not currently. I mean, the declaration hasn't gone out that you've got to shut down all of the Christian teachings and everything. It hasn't gone. It will come. It will. And we see that. We see examples in China. We see examples all over the world. It's not here yet. My importance today is for you to know who Jesus is. Because if you do know who Jesus is, personally, nothing of those things will matter or influence you. Nothing. You will concentrate on him and you will preach the gospel. Why does this matter? I'll give you one scripture and we'll pray. 1 Peter 1.20 He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you. This is it. He was ordained before the foundation of the world, but he was manifested in the last times for you. Jesus was manifested for us. Why? Why was he manifested? Why did he appear to the disciples? Why did he ask these questions? In verse 21 gives the answer, Who through him believe in God? Through Jesus Christ came the belief in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Who is Jesus to you? He asked this question in that environment to his disciples. We are living in the same environment. We don't have the statues, but there is a lot of pagan worship going on. He then strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. Why would he say that? Because his time has not yet come. He still had a mission to do. And at the right time, they would take him to the cross and crucify him. May the Lord bless you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the seriousness of the times. And thank you for Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Father, thank you for who he is to us. He is our Christ, the Messiah God with us. In Jesus' name, amen.